it's the little everyday small risks, I think, that make a larger difference and help you develop a capacity to take the bigger risks um, when they come up and they feel like they're the right choice. Welcome back to another episode of the Journey of Pursuit podcast. Today's guest is Kat Reinhardt, aka my voice teacher from UM. Kat is an accomplished educator, author, vocalist, songwriter, and artist. As a solo artist, Kat has released five independent albums and has sung on multiple projects and has recorded for notable artists. She is the former director of Contemporary Voice at the University of Miami and is a sought-after clinician, speaker, and researcher. She has authored several book chapters and journal articles on contemporary voice and songwriting and is the current president of the Association for Popular Music Education. Mrs. Reinhardt currently resides in New York City, where she is working on several music, educational, business, consulting, and writing projects. She really is so much more than a voice teacher. You're going to hear in this episode how attentive she is to her craft, not only as an educator, but to pretty much everything she has set her mind to never making her creativity the central focus of what she's doing. She is now risking it all to see what comes from it. Through everything, she has never given up and has always asked, what's next? Without further ado, my teacher, my friend, Kat Reinhardt. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. You should tell people how we've met, how we know each other. That's a great idea. Do you want to tell the story? You can tell the story. You can go for (laughs) it. Me tell the story. Yeah, yeah, you can Um, go for it. Well, let's see. We met at the University of Miami because you were a student there. Yeah. Were you in my studio or do we just know each other? I think it was mostly that I was a voice student of yours. So I took voice lessons with you, but I had never, I remember I had never taken voice lessons before. Right. My first voice teacher. And then you graduated and it was probably what, a year afterwards. And I still remember this because we got together and um, you were telling me about this book that you were reading called um, You Are a Badass. And this is why I remember this, because that book has become a staple of mine. I actually just reread it about a month ago because it was feeling just like totally lost. And I love her, her books. I've read, a few, she has like two or three of them out. And I, and I just, I still remember that as like, that was the moment that I got introduced to what Jen Sincero, right? Yeah, uh, you are a badass. So uh, yeah, that's kind of a short story. Um, but I just remember you being so fashionable and uh, like really driven and smart and creative. And I still see that like in all of these things. I'm so excited to be here. Like I saw you do this podcast. I was like, I want to be on that. That looks fun. <laughs> Thank you. That's so sweet. I actually remember that. And I remember you had also just gotten engaged. Yes. And I remember it was super exciting. And I remember actually, I remember, yeah, I remember talking about Jen Sincero and how I love all her books. I think that was probably like one of the first self-development books I had written or not written. I had read. Um, Imagine if I had written that book. That'd be Um, cool. (laughs) Yeah. It was one of the first self-development books I had read. And I remember being so inspired by it and just wanting to talk about it with everyone I met. So I was like, you need to know how badass you are. Just a final like note. It was so funny because I read it and then I put it on the like 
um, the reading list that I had for my voice studio after that, like as a, they had to choose one of the, they had to choose a book to read like every year when they were with in my studio. And that was one of the books that they could choose. So, you know, it's, it's been one of those recurring themes. Um, yeah. And then like I moved, I think when I was still in Miami, I came out to LA. I don't remember. It was because I had come to the ASCAP Expo. Right. And like, and you were there and I ran into you and then, yeah, it was totally random. Um, didn't plan out. And, and that was amazing. That was the last time I think I saw you in person. I totally um, forgot about that. You're right. You did. You came here. Yeah. I think that was like two years ago. Yeah, it was like 2018. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Or was it 2019? It was one of the 2019. 19. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Because I was like contemplating I remember in my head no one knew but I was contemplating leaving and so I was like I want to do everything I can to like network everywhere <laughs> and so yeah I I remember I ran into you and I was like Andrew <laughs> we were talking about a bunch of things that day but I remember it was mainly like you weren't you were deciding you were like kind of making your big move your big choice because you had yeah. also uh, I, you were already married at that time, I think. Right? I was, yeah, but my husband was living in New York City, and I was in Miami for. We were long distance for five years, and Which married is, wow. long distance for like two. So wow, I'm so <laughs> and not something I recommend together. to anybody listening, but like, we made it work. Um, I think like we were on the same coast, which definitely helped because like yeah. it's much harder to stay in touch I find with even my friends that are on the west coast it's just the time difference is hard yeah I was I was trying to decide like um there was a permanent like uh, tenure track position at the University of Miami that I had I had applied for and I was trying to figure out like did I want to go down that road and you know probably do continue long distance because my husband is a, a jazz musician in New York City and I knew like Miami didn't have the same kinds of things that he was looking for and so and and did I want to be in academia or did I want to kind of follow a a different path and I mean when I when I finally came down to it what what I found was that I am very proud of all of the work that I've done as an educator but that I I really wanted to go left like I just wanted to see like if I put as much energy into like my artistic creative endeavors as I've put into education and like research and all that kind of stuff, like what happens? And as scary as it was, like I talked to my husband and I was like, this is kind of what I'm thinking. And he was like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> so no job, no students, no, I had nothing. Um, just, you know, said, didn't renew my lease and uh, resigned in good, standing with everyone at the University of Miami, I, lots of notice and, and yeah, like that was a great place. I loved working there. It was a dream job, like in terms of a job that was a dream job. Um, but it wasn't allowing me to pursue some of the other things, um, that I really had kind of put on a, a back burner for a while. And how do you feel now that you've kind of like done that like you, once you were you were like okay I'm not gonna put this aside anymore I'm gonna go for it what was that like were you because you had been also doing you were an educator for a long time like you were doing yeah but I didn't go into education right. like I mean that was never it's interesting because I've thought a lot about this and it's like that wasn't my goal at the beginning my goal was I mean at 
1999, when I graduated from the Manhattan School of Music, my goal was jazz singer, like <laughs> famous jazz singer. That's the, you know, oxymoron of oxymorons. But um, because, I mean, you know, yeah, you know, Ella and Billy and Sarah, but these days, like, I mean, I know who they are, but just the larger population, maybe Diana Krall, but, you know, um, not that they aren't well known in fields in which they they work, but um, that was my my goal. I had no interest in teaching, and but I wanted to stay in New York City, and I wasn't really a club date like singer. I didn't really. I'd made a pact with myself that once I graduated, I was never going to work outside of music. I tried an office, yeah, and I never have since 1999. I have never ever held a job that didn't involve music. Incredible. So, yeah. <laughs> Not a lot of people can say that. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. What, that's like 1999? Yeah. <laughs> that's really incredible. 2000, over, yeah, over 20 years now. I have and never you're standing held... and you're good. And, you're... and I'm standing and I never starved and, you know, I paid my rent and I went on vacations and, um, but I kind of fell into to teaching. Uh, there was a company and there is a company called Education Through Music and they, they put teaching artists into schools they don't have a music program and they help fund them and kind of get them rolling and they they make sure that everything's set up and they're still around today in fact they're in LA they're in um, I think st. Louis and they're in New York City and they do really amazing work and I started working for them and the pay was so much better than like this office job I had at an opera management company and it was much more fun and I was doing music and it was active and and so that's how I, like, but I'd never taught before. I mean, they threw me into a, a, a school on the Upper East Side. You know, I had four classes of two fourth grade classes and two fifth grade classes, and I'd never taught before. <laughs> like, um, never. I never had any instruction in how to teach. Uh, it was just, like, scrappy and, you know, it's like looked up songs on the Internet. And, yeah. I will say, though, as your student, I think that was a blessing. Because yeah. I think that that was something that really helped me. I mean, personally, like going into your class, like I remember it not being so daunting. You know what I mean? Like it was, yeah. it was personable. Like I felt like we were going to sing a song that I heard on the radio that I really liked or like on Spotify or whatever I was listening to at that time. But I remember it was something very organic. Like you would ask, like, what are you listening to today? What yeah. do you want to work on? Is there something that you've been thinking about? And I like that the class also never just started. Like we also, we always have like a conversation before yeah. the class. And I think that all, that also helped with voice because you could like, you helped us like work through more than just like the actual technical part of the voice. It was more like, okay, what skill do you want to learn? Um, what's the next song you're going to be playing at the showcase? Like you were really, I think, specific on how you worked with each student because each student was so different. And I think that's Completely. really, I think that was really important, at least for me, never having voice lessons before. It was something that was helpful, you know, having like a conversation and then also being like, I don't, I'm not a jazz singer. So I want to learn how to sing the pop song that I love. And that was super cool. Wow. That's, I'm honored. That's so cool. Um, it's kind of rare as a teacher, you find out the things you did were good. 
Uh, but or that people like them. But yeah, I mean, teaching voice is to me it's a holistic approach to the human. Um, you have to teach the person that came into your room that day, not who you expected to come in, not who you wanted to come in, not who you dream would show up. Um, you have to teach who shows up, and sometimes especially with students in, in college, I mean, they're dealing with so much, you know, as, as you know, having gone through it not that long ago, but like, you know, you're dealing with being away from home for the first time, you're all these new experiences, you're trying to figure out who you are as a human being, as an adult, you're scared, especially as a creative, because you're around all these other people and you're not sure if like you're gonna pass muster. There's a lot of pressures in music school, like both from inside and outside of succeeding and and all of that affects the way the voice works because the voice carries a lot of emotion in it i mean there's you know the emotional center of the brain is hardwired into the voice there's actually a nerve that runs from your brain where the emotions are through your heart and up into your vocal folds and like so if you're stressed like that is going to affect the way you sound it's going to affect and so one of the things that I've always done is have a conversation in the front to kind of like, how is this person doing today? Like, where are they at mentally? Because some days students just need to talk and it can't happen every day because then you're not doing the thing that you're actually hired to do. But on some days, that's what they need. And that's gonna provide them the, the teaching and the learning that they need to go and do their work, you know? And sometimes it's a lot of singing, you know, it's it's, all singing and it's like hey how are you doing I'm doing great man let's get to singing and it's like okay we're ready to go cool you know but other days it's like my cat died and you know I my tire got I've got a flat tire in my car and like my bathroom was leaking and it's like okay let's just like let's deal with that first because if we don't man this lesson isn't gonna go well at all because all you're gonna be thinking about the whole time that I'm giving you instruction is that all of this stuff is happening. So we need to kind of deal with that as a larger whole, put it down in a nice pink box because it's not gonna go away and it's gonna have to get dealt with, but it can just kind of be safely aside. And that way then you can focus on the things that you're there to do. And I think yeah. that goes for educators in general. I think that's so important to think yeah. about, especially with, I mean, if anything, if we've learned anything from last year's that mental health is so important. And I think going back yeah. to school eventually in person and everything, that's something to really keep in mind. I think it's something to have always kept in mind, but I think it's been disregarded. And as the years have gone by and we've seen how important mental health is, I think that's something to just know that people are humans, like students are humans and things happen at home or things happen on your way to school or things happen in school or, you know, like we all have hearts, we all have minds. And I think that comes before completing a lesson. Granted, 100%. like you said, yeah, granted, like you said, you also have to do your job and make sure that it's not just about that. And there's no, I guess, miscommunication of like where you stand as a teacher. But I think that's something that will help you with your teaching style and with like your just overall like students, like at, well, always. I think so too. I mean, and and going back, I mean, the reason you don't want it to, to be the only thing that you do is because you're not hired as a therapist. I'm not trained as a therapist. I'm not a sociologist. I don't like, I don't, that's not my, I can help people just like anybody else can help someone. But if it starts to be something that that's there, then that really needs to get referred somewhere else so that 
time that this person is with me can be spent on the things that they're they're in there to do, right? And it's sometimes it's it's a line, and you everybody has to walk it in whatever way they do. But um, yeah, I mean, it's never it's never been just about the voice. It's been about like if I'm teaching a voice lesson, it's about their musicianship. It's about the mental things that go into being a performer or a singer. It's about practicing all of those things. It's about being comfortable in your body. It's about, you know, understanding other things about music. And, and I mean, sometimes voice lessons, sometimes you, the voice isn't working, you know, it's like you've kind of you got a cold or it's just, you know, you were up late the night before cramming for a final and it's really tired. And so maybe that day it's like, well, let's work on songwriting or let's work on your piano skills and while you're accompanying or let's, there's always something to work on, you know, and that can be towards the end goal of musicianship and like high levels of understanding about how this system works. Um, so, so yeah, you but you can tell she's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> You would ask me, like, how has it been moving back and yeah. doing that? And I think I want to go back to that because it's been weird. Um, so the timing of this for people listening is I left in the spring. I moved. No, I moved back to New York in September of 2019. So let's do the math. I know what's and coming. <laughs> my goal at in September of 2019 is I'm going to move back to New York City. I'm going to start going out to all these venues. I'm going to put my face on the map again because I still have all my friends. My band is here. Like I was in New York until I went down. I was in New York until 2014 when I went down to Miami to do all of this other work. And so I was moving back here, you know, five years later and I'd still kept contacts, of course, because my, my husband was here and I kept coming back, but not being on the scene. Like so I was like, I'm going to go on the scene. I'm going to get my business set up. I'm going to start getting students and put my name out and word out that like I'm here and I have a record that I'd like recorded in the spring. We'd lay down all the instrumental tracks and I had a date to go into the studio in, in a late September to do all the vocals with the background vocalists and everything. So that was on the table and I was going to release my record um, in early 2020 and as everyone listening to this knows, the world came to a stop. Um, and so I don't actually know what it's like because although I've tried to do as much as I possibly can um, with the time that I've been given and the space that I've been given, I don't actually have any idea. And I think I'm struggling with that right now. It feels like I've been spinning plates for like almost two years and it's just like, I want to get out and find out. But on the other side of that, I did put a record out. I put it out February 26th of this year. Um, it's called Dead Reckoning. And that has, that was an amazing project to work on. Like it kept me busy. I. I made 10 videos, so I made 10 music videos. I almost got to 12. I have 11, one of them is still like, I'm still working on it, but yeah, like my goal during quarantine and during lockdown was these videos and some of them are lyric videos, some of them are stop motion. I taught, my, taught myself how to do stop motion. One of them is actually, I filmed myself and figured out how to do that. But they kept me like creative and interested in my project and, um, and I had some help like releasing it and, and that's been amazing. And like, so I did put out a record and I did do all those things. And now I'm sort of, 
figuring out like how that's gonna help other things that I want to do. Um, I've also been really grateful, although I haven't had as much work as I wanted to have because of the everything that's happened, but um, I've had a lot of time. And so I feel like for the last like year, I'm kind of in this like, I have time and I have peace of mind. Like my stress level is pretty low. My mental health is pretty good. Um, and I've been able to practice. Um, I've been working on my piano skills, accompanying myself and working on my songwriting. I've been writing somewhere on average between three to five songs a week, like for the entire year. I started guitar lessons. I've been taking production lessons. Um, and I'm getting not, not horrible at it. <laughs> like I can make a pretty decent demo um, with all of the instruments and like flesh out ideas and stuff. Whereas I started in May and I could barely get like a piano and vocal to sound like kind of halfway decent. So I, I think it's been good, but it's also been difficult. I also correct me if I'm wrong, but this is your fifth record. It oh. is. Yeah. So that's also just like an incredible yeah. accomplishment. Like you haven't done just one, you've done five. <laughs> five. Yeah, while I was doing all this stuff, I mean, it's not like I didn't yeah. give, I gave up on being creative. I just, I've never made it like the central focus of what I've been doing. And so I'm trying to make that the central focus and have this other things that I do sort of spinning in the background and going because I, I love doing them. I mean, I, I loved... And I still love and continue to love teaching songwriting, teaching voice lessons, contemporary voice, like all of those things and helping people learn these skills. Like there is a huge passion that I have for working with pre-professional and professional artists who want to like work on their skills. That's where my wheelhouse is as an educator. And I think something I really want to highlight with your story, just because like I know a bit about it, is that you, I think something really important with the podcast too, is that everyone that comes on here, no matter what you do creatively or how much money you make or how old you are, it's never, you never stop learning and you never stop creating and you never stop trying to figure out what's next. And I think yeah. that's something that's really admirable about your story is that like you have never given up and you have consistently and continually be like, been like, what's next? How am I going to get to the next level? How am I going to get to be doing what I really want to do? And that takes guts, you know, that takes guts to not give up, especially creatively. And like you said, you've never worked that somewhere that's not music. No. And that's like incredible because so many people, and, and it's normal, myself included, I've gotten jobs or have worked jobs that have nothing to do with what I actually really want to do because I just need it. The fact that you haven't done that is incredible you know, and that you've been able to focus on what it is that you will feel the best doing. Thanks. I mean, for anyone who's young and, you know, trying to figure this out, I would just say, just keep following the things that bring you joy. And some things, I mean, I worked for an opera management company for a year. It did not bring me joy, but I learned a lot about what I didn't like, you know, and, and I think teaching too. I mean, when I started, I was working in like K through five, and then I did K through 12. Um, and like each time I sort of whittled down where like my skill set was best used and where I felt like the most passionate about and, and leading up to working at the University of Miami and like finding like, oh my gosh, like this is my like kind of teaching home base of where I feel I have the, the most ability to help people. 
And, and I think as an artist and thinking about like all of that, it is like, don't give up. It's don't like, it's just keep putting stuff out into the world and keep believing it doesn't, I mean, success is, it's fleeting and it, it isn't, I think what defines one person's success is not what defines another person's success. And I think you have to discover what that is. And I think I'm still trying to discover that. And I think for anyone listening, like just keep trying to figure it out because even if that's all you do your whole life, it's never boring, you know, like <laughs> ever. Um, I'm never bored. You know, it's always cause I'm learning something new. And I mean, right now I'm, I'm going to be 45 in August and I'm trying to like as fast as I can learn production skills, like always trying to learn new things. And I think that is definitely, and trying to question everything that I do and, and not from a critical standpoint, but asking myself, like, is this really what you want to be doing with your time? Is this the best way to help this student? Is this, is there another way that you could teach this that might, you know, is there a better lyric? Is, is there a better rhyme that I could find? And, you know, and then just letting it go when you find the one that you're like, okay, that one works. Cool. It's not perfection. I mean, that's such an illusion. Um, it's not a thing. <laughs> yeah. And I think also something I've realized with the, with having people on the podcast and asking them the question of success at the end of every episode, you, I have realized that no one answers with a oh, I got the Grammy or, oh, I got the house, you know, like, well, it's what do you do the next day? Yeah. It's nothing material. It's everything that anyone has said on the podcast as successful is something that they have realized internally is like something they needed, you know, or like something that helped them get to the happiness that they're at or whatever it may be. But it's, it's never what you think it is, you know, like everyone that I ask that question to always says something that is so beautiful because it's so not what you would expect you know and same with even like the failure question i ask you know everyone always says like i wish i wouldn't be so hard on myself or the biggest failure was you know not trying something and it's never like something right. that's maybe always considered or usually considered a failure usually doesn't come across as the failure that people talk about in the podcast um, and I also think it's important to remember that creativity always changes too. So maybe something that you do when you're 20 years old, maybe when you're in your forties or fifties, it changes in, into a new medium and that's okay too. A hundred percent. I mean, when I was 20, 21, I mean, I was making, you know, singing jazz tunes, jazz standards, you know, writing my own songs. I mean, that wasn't even... That wasn't something I felt I even had permission to do because um, no one around me did that. Like in jazz school, at least where I was, it wasn't, it was, no one did it. No, and even when I did do it, like I brought things in and the combo director would be like, well, you can't sing that song. And I was like, yeah, but the trumpet player just brought in an original song. Why can't I bring in? They're like, well, because you have to sing these songs. I was like, but you know, like that's the memory that I have of that. And so, um, yeah. And it really wasn't until 2005 when I went down to Miami the first time and I took an independent study about songwriting that I started to actually believe that like, oh, 
maybe this is something that I could do. Um, cause I'd written songs like since graduation, it was like seven years between my undergraduate and masters, but, um, I'd written some stuff, but I didn't really know. I had no idea what I was doing. I, I was like, I don't know, like I, I can play chords, you know, <laughs> like, like any other beginning songwriter. But and now like I would consider myself a songwriter, not a jazz singer jazz influenced songwriter a hundred percent i can't get it out of my head <laughs> like weird chords it's just like a thing but um i specifically remember being on a run um and knowing i'm like okay i'm in my mid-30s i am a musician uh, how am I going to support myself? I'm not super fulfilled in everything I'm doing right now. I'm going to get a doctorate. <laughs> and <laughs> so I was like, okay, what am I going to get it in? Like, what do I want to go study? Because I knew that you had to have some idea about what you wanted to study going in and at least to be able to kind of say it. Uh, and I was like, I'm going to figure out how to start a contemporary vocal program at the college level. That was the goal. And so in and 2000, did it. I, well, I didn't really do it. <laughs> I, I got to, to work at it and, and like lead it, but I didn't, I didn't like start it. Um, and actually that's not what my dissertation turned out to be, which I'm very glad that it didn't. But, um, yeah, so, and weirdly like in 2007, I'd actually, I'd, I'd actually applied for the PhD in music education at the university of Miami and I gotten in and I was, I walked, I, I was like, I don't know if this is really what I wanted to do right now. So seven years later, notice the patterns in this, right? <laughs> um, in 2014, I got accepted to the PhD in music education at the university of Miami and went down and I was the TA for the contemporary program. So I was, all of my work hours were, mo well, not all, but most of them were working in the contemporary department. So a bunch of lessons and classes and, uh, and through that, I discovered like, if I really want to understand contemporary vocalists, I need to understand the larger umbrella in which they are going to be housed, which are these popular music programs, or as they're called higher popular music education programs in the scholarly research kind of world. Um, and I wanted to understand like how they worked. So I took a pretty hard look at the University of Miami and the University of Southern California. And that was my dissertation. Um, so anybody's listening who wants to be a songwriter, like you can go on my website and like you can download my dissertation. It'll tell you all of the nitty gritty details about those two schools um, in chapter five and six. Uh, yeah, but uh, it's a free resource for anybody who's looking to, to know more. But yeah, that was that was the goal, you know, and, and I and I don't regret it. I mean, I think those were some amazing, that was an amazing time in my life. All the students that I met and to see you and like so many other students just killing it in the music game and know that I had like a small part in them doing what they're doing is so cool. Like I would never take full credit for any of that because that's just not cool. But, um, but you had some part in someone's development just like the teachers that I worked with did too so it's inspiring it's super cool I mean yeah I think it's also like going back to what we were talking about with teachers teachers have a great opportunity to influence kids in a very positive way no matter how old the kids are like I was in my 20s and I still was like inspired by your teaching style and I think that's that's really cool and really special you know like not a lot of people get that 
my next question is the one I always ask, which is what would you say? And we kind of touched upon this a little bit on the episode, but what would you say is your biggest win so far? Like, what do you think you're most proud of in your life so far? You know, I think it's more of an overarching idea of like almost being proud of taking risks, which is kind of a, I haven't really thought about this, but like when I, I'm like, yeah, that's it. It's like, I take risks. I, and not uncalculated risks, not like I'm jumping out of a plane without a parachute, but like, um, you know, thinking about like, well, if I don't do this, like that's worse than taking this risk and not knowing what it is like I know what this thing is on you know on the right side and it's cool but it's not a hundred percent working and so I don't know what's happening on the left but staying here that's not an option so the risk means like so I think like overall it would be that I just you know I go for it and Sometimes I don't have a plan and sometimes that doesn't always work out, but you know, other times you just kind of figure it out as you go and, you know, don't, I think just don't be afraid to take those risks because I mean, I'd rather take the risk and fail at the risk than stay somewhere where like, I just feel like I'm getting suffocated all the time or I'm not doing something that's aligned with my, you know, inner beliefs and authenticity of of self and I think I mean for me that was happening a little bit at UM where all of my time was going to helping other people and none of it was going towards myself and yes that is selfish but at the same time I knew I wasn't going to be able to continue to be the person that the students needed me to be if I didn't do something for myself and so I'm currently just trying to balance out the parts of who I am and, and to own all of them. And I think, and I, it's something that's come up like lately a lot where it's like, I'm trying to own all of the things I am in all of the spaces. And it doesn't always, people are always like, what, wait, what? And I'm like, yeah, I do all these things. I write, you know, journal articles. I have chapters in books. I have a book on songwriting that's out in the world. You know, songwriting, I know, songwriting for music educators. It's on a site called Flat Books because my friend Sarah Goulish and I noticed that music educators were being left out of the songwriting conversation. No one was helping them. And we were like, well, let's help. Um, we're both songwriters. We're both educators. We understand both sides. Let's do this, you know. And I have five albums and I, I write a lot of songs and I'm trying to figure out the whole licensing sync world, which is total like... I don't understand, but I keep trying. I'm just going to keep throwing noodles at the wall until something sticks, you know? Yeah. And just, it's, it feels risky because it, it's not what you see people doing. There's no one doing it, you know, or there's not that, it's not no one, but there aren't that many. I have had this conversation a lot lately <laughs> too, but I yeah. think it's, I mean, I'm sure you're the same. Yeah. Podcaster, I mean, musician, songwriter, both in two languages, like yeah. fashionista, crazy when fashionista. I, <laughs> when I had this idea for this podcast, wow, the imposter syndrome that came in was 
incredibly strong. I was just, rem I remembered being like, why? I can't, I'm a songwriter. I need to be a songwriter. I need to do this. And then I thought to myself, like, who's saying I need to do this? Like only me. What would you say is your biggest loss or quote unquote failure that you've had failure. so far, your biggest lesson? It's probably just not giving myself permission soon enough to do some of the stuff that I'm doing. Um, I don't, I mean, I didn't have people in my life. This is weird, but I didn't have people like myself in my life when I was young, um, kind of like giving me books to read or saying like, Hey, check this out. Or, and the world was, a, I mean, wasn't quite as tech as it is now either. I mean, so that the access part was, was very different, but, um, I had a few, but I, I didn't have a lot of people like saying, yeah, you could do this or like, here's another option. It was sort of, you kind of saw what's in front of you and that was it. And so I wrestle with, I'm not enough. And I wrestle with like permission and not as much with permission anymore. I sort of just, I've moved, moved with that. Uh, but the not enough thing sometimes pops up. Um, still, I still have like sayings up all over my apartment of like, you are enough. Like now you don't need anything to make you enough. You know, if you do the work and like put it out and then you just sort of let that be and let it, you know, there's something so beautiful about those two ideas I find. Um, yeah. And I think now with the pandemic that we've had in the past year, I think everyone has been more willing to let things be as the create creative thing that it is like yeah. people have been releasing songs from their bedroom people have been releasing their books from just their word document I think people are I think everyone is realizing through the pandemic and through the time that we've had to really like sit and do something or you know figure out what makes us happy that nothing has to be what we thought it had to be because what's most important i think with every creative what i think what we really strive for is to connect and we really strive to have someone hear our music or hear our podcast or read our book or whatever it may be and we just want them to feel what we felt while creating that yeah i think that's like the main goal really and if we just let go of that perfection that perfectionism of like we ha it has to be the way i thought it to be we could just we could be so much more free i think as creatives and i feel extremely privileged that i have had this time i know that's not the same for everybody a lot of people are dealing with just you know horrible situations but i i do feel very grateful about this time that i've had and i know a lot of people are, are sitting here and it's you know but it it's it's still just coming back to like okay well what can i I have this time and I have this space. How can I make the most of it? It's the little everyday small risks, I think, that make a larger difference and help you develop a capacity to take the bigger risks um, when they come up and they feel like they're the right choice. This has been so great. Thank you so much for... <laughs> I can't wait for people to listen to this. Thank you so <laughs> You're so welcome. So this much. was so much fun. What a great way to spend my Saturday. Here are Kat's takeaways from today's episode. Number one, there's always something to work on. Number two, 
You never really give up on being creative. Sometimes you just forget to make it the central focus. Number three, keep following the things that bring you joy. Number four, keep putting stuff out and keep believing in yourself. Number five, what defines one person's success is not what defines another person's success. Number six, always try new things. Number seven, if you don't take the risk, that's worse than actually taking it. Number eight, believe in the things you think you can do. Number nine, go for it even if you don't have a plan. And number 10, listen to your voice. Thank you so much for being here, guys. As always, please leave us a review, share with any friends. If you think of anyone that could be a great fit for the show, let me know. Send me a DM, Adria Lopez, without the Ian Lopez. I'm always looking at my DMs and I'm always willing to hear your feedback about the show. Thank you so much. I'll see you guys next week. Ciao.